and welcome to the fourth episode of Cryptids Decrypted. I can't believe it's been four episodes already. Uh, we've had over 300 listens. You guys are awesome. Thanks, everybody, for coming out week after week. This week, we're going to be doing another History of the Mystery episode, and my friends Tyler, John, and I are going to break down the Yeti legend from start to finish. But before we get to that, I want to do a few housekeeping notes. First of all, if you like the podcast, be sure to rate us wherever you're listening and share it with your friends. Every share really helps us get out there, and it's going to help us eventually maybe make some money off this thing. You never know. Second, if you want early access to episodes of Cryptids Decrypted before they come out, you can head over to patreon.com slash macashton. It's $5 to get early access to episodes, but you're also going to get a lot of other awesome stuff, uh, you know, like access to my writing before it goes out to the general public, you know, which is which is pretty cool, you know. I'm not going to say I'm a famous author, but I do have a uh, couple couple hundred reads over there, so, you know, kind of a big deal. And also, you know, if, if literature or fiction is not your thing, I've got some pretty sweet cryptids, decrypted stickers I had made up, and I'm going to be giving away some merch on the Patreon later. So if you join the Patreon this month at the $1 mark, you'll get a, an amazing square cryptids, decrypted sticker. You stick that on your water bottle, you stick it on your friend's forehead. Either way, makes them look cool, makes you look cool, helps people hear about our podcast. And on a final note before we get started, uh, Rob Lowe, look, uh, I don't know how many messages I've left you. God, it's got to be 100 now. I'm starting to think that maybe you just you don't care or you don't want to talk to me, and it's hurtful. Uh, so if you want to go ahead and, and give us a call back, we'd love to have you on the show. Uh, we're big fans of the Lowe Files, you know. And, you know, it just seems like a, a match made in heaven. Like, we're getting famous. You're already famous. Let's let's make it happen. All right, that's enough of me talking. Enjoy this episode. I'll talk to you again at the end. Thanks again for listening. All right, so today I've got John and Tyler with me. Uh, John, we'll start with you. Why don't you tell us... Uh, Where's the first place you ever heard about the Yeti legend? So that's a good question. I can't even remember. It's been one of those things that's been just so ingrained in my head that Yeti's always been there. Um, I've always kind of assumed it was related to Sasquatch, but I've since learned that they are two completely different things. Um, yeah, that Yeti abominable snowman. Probably uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, to be completely honest. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, shit, I forgot about that one. You sure it wasn't from the uh, the seminal work Whiteout by Ashton McCauley? I'm pretty sure that that was that's one of the first places I heard about the Yeti. I think that's sure. where where everything kind of fleshed itself out, and I learned about the Yeti and really what makes him tick and his sexual fantasies. Yeah, of course. Yeah, that's, that makes sense. Tyler, what about you? When's the first time you can remember hearing about the Yeti? Um, so I'm a lifelong mountaineer. Uh, spent lots of time on the mountain, climbing mountains, uh, been all over the world climbing mountains. Uh, and so of course being a, um, prolific mountaineer, um, I've heard lots about Yeti. Tyler, your backyard uh, doesn't count. Yeah. I was going to say like, what are you, what are you climbing? Like a jungle gym <laughs> or a tree? It's different than down here. Okay. All right. Well, oh, well, I actually, I, I'm kind of like John. I have no idea where I learned about it really. I don't know. I, I think last time I talked about how, like, I grew up really into like, you know, ghost stories and shit like that. And so I think kind of naturally Yeti and Bigfoot kind of come up. Yeah, I think trying to think. I was trying to think back to the first place I heard of it, and I'm I'm pretty sure 
that it had to be Disneyland uh, with the fucking Matterhorn. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, that, I think the Matterhorn's the first place where I was like, what is that? That's terrifying. <laughs> and, and, then, and then from there I started reading, like, oh, it's, it's based on a creature that is some people believe is real. It makes sense that you would, like, kind of be introduced to it at a young age. It's one of those things that's just been proliferated throughout just all of media in so many ways and so many forms. Yeah, which is funny because it's like we, we live so far away from anywhere that this creature is supposed to exist. And yet I feel like if you say Yeti, most people on the West Coast over here are going to know what you're talking about. Well, on the West Coast, yeah, because of Yeti mugs. Oh, damn, that's a good point. I didn't <laughs> think, oh, it's so commercialized. <laughs> keeps, your, keeps your drinks warm when you're uh, hunting the Yeti. And it is basically the same thing. Anyways, so Tyler, I know that you have uh, some history about like where where the name Abominable Snowman comes from and what the history of the Yeti is. But first, I wanted to bring up one thing because I found one of the earliest references to the Yeti, and it kind of blew my mind. It's actually from so apparently when Alexander the Great conquered the Indus Valley, he demanded to see a Yeti, but the people told him it was impossible for the creature to survive at lower attitude altitudes. <laughs> and I'm just like. Who the fuck conquers a country and is like, all right, now bring me, bring me a giant ape from the top of that mountain. Bring me your I, I demand it. <laughs> they're, just, they're just like, nah, I'm sorry, we, we can't bring it down. So I thought, I thought that was, I uh, thought that was really interesting. <laughs> all right, so I, I mean, we both, we could probably make some assumptions that, and I think you know a little bit more about the history of, sort of like where the word Yeti comes from. Uh, Ashen, but um, I think Yeti is maybe more commonly known as Abominable Snowman. I don't know though. Do you guys disagree? I so I, I ran across a lot of stuff today that was saying Abominable Snowman, and honestly, in my mind, I held them as two separate concepts, even though they're the the same thing. Like it, well, I think it's got to be like Sasquatch and Bigfoot, right? Yeah, yeah, it, it, it definitely is. But for me, it's like Abominable Snowman. I'm like, oh yeah, that's like Disneyland and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And like, yeti, right, that shit will fucking kill you. Like... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, well, here's a little history lesson, boys. In 1921, Lieutenant Colonel Charles Howard Berry in the British Army led an expedition through the Himalayas and found what he figured were to be large wolf footprints. Uh, that when placed in soft snow, the prince ended up looking larger and more human-like than normal. Uh, his expedition was was accompanied by some like Sherpa dudes, some Sherpa guides, uh, and they kind of tell him about this wild man in the snows, and they say that hey, no, those footprints aren't wolves; those are actually the uh, the wild man in the snows, and they call it the oh god, Meto Kangmi. Ashton, you want to correct me? I, I, you know, as far as my Nepalese goes, it's pretty bad. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and say that, that was spot on. All right, Metu King Me, which uh, does translate roughly to man bear snowman. <laughs> not it's to pretty, be, pretty not to be confused with man bear pig from South Park is what I'm hearing. Right. Mm-hmm. And now Meto, Meto also means filthy, right? That's where the mistranslation occurred. Well, we're getting there. Okay, all right. Yeah, all right. I'm sorry, there. I'm sorry. Jumping so, here. there's this guy named Bill Tillman who everybody should go look this guy up. He is like, he looks exactly like what you would think of a 1938 explorer guy would look like. Uh, he writes this book called Mount Everest, 1938, and he uses the word actually Mech and King Me when naming the creature. So, like, instead of Meto King Me, he calls it Mech King Me. Um, so, King Me is correct, but Mech isn't even a real word. Real, <clears throat> real word. So, 
sometime later, I, I, well, I couldn't find the specific date, uh, but there was a reporter um, for the Statesman in Calcutta, which is a newspaper, um, and he mistranslate, mistranslated uh, Mech uh, as filthy, but substituted the word abominable instead, thus leading to abominable snowman. Funny how mistranslations like that will stick. I think it's funny. So you said he was writing that book in 1938. That's actually, so that, that is the same year that the first, like the first scientist was actually sent to investigate the Yeti. See if you follow me here. He was sent by okay. the Nazis because oh. the Nazis thought the Yeti was the progenitor of the Aryan race. Uh, what? Yeah. Yeah. So this guy, huh. uh, Ernst, Ernst Schaefer is a German professor and he was apparently employed by the head of the SS to go search for the Yeti because they're like, yeah, that, that giant white being in the mountains, that is for sure like the perfect Aryan person and we <laughs> need to bring it back so that we can make ourselves more like it. And that's that's not a joke. <laughs> that's that's 100% real. Big, strong, can hold up in cold weather? <laughs> I get this. It feels like this should have been the plot of one of the Indiana Jones movies, but they, they totally they fucked fuck that point. one up. Or at least like a six-episode series in the kids' show. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Young Indiana Jones and the progenitor of the Aryan race. I'd watch it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, no. On the roll. So, Ashton, what can you tell me about the word Yeti? Uh, a lot of what you had, but basically every, every, every version of the name for the Yeti comes from something that has to either do with man or bear. Uh, so there's like man, bear... Cattle bear, wild man, jungle man, snowman uh, is loosely what they all translate to. And it kind of makes sense when you think it's just like, okay, there's a big fucking tall ape uh, who lives up in the mountains. It looks just like man. You know, it, it all follows. They're pretty simple names. I, there's, I, unfortunately, like, I haven't found any like really cool translation of the Yeti that means something profound. It's just descriptive. These guys aren't ter- terribly creative. No. Sasquatch was something similar, like Hairy Man or something like that. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, they have Hairy, hairy Man's in here, you know, Wild Man, Jungle Man. It's all, ugh. I mean, if uh, anything's going to be damn near a literal translation when it comes down to it, though, right? I guess, yeah, that's that's fair. You know, big, big foot. That's a good point. <laughs> I guess. Abom- much Abominable Snowman <laughs> is kind of the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, all right. So uh, the point is people are not creative. No. Uh, when, when they name things. So there's some interesting things that I found when I'm looking at the history of the Abominable Snowman and, you know, or, or the Yeti. And the first is there's a couple of different schools of thought on what this creature looks like. And I actually had only, so the only one I had heard of until uh, my interview with Peter Byrne was that it's this, you know, large ape-like creature, bigger than a man, very aggressive, uh solitary where does that come from everything i'm reading about him online and you know my research isn't you know i'm sure peter Byrne has done a lot more research than me but everything i'm reading is has there's no aggression there's no i couldn't find any aggressive stories like where there people are being attacked or anything like that right and i think that so while the stories don't show it having any aggression where i think we talked about this a little bit beforehand or i can't remember if we've already talked about it here I'll cut around it, but uh, if we did, I so th- there were people who worshipped it like a god, yeah. And in those stories, it was very aggressive. So a lot of the iconography that you get in the Himalayas and in the temples everywhere around there is 
a vicious looking creature. It's the the um, Lepch, Lepchka people. Yeah, so that's that's part of what they did, and I know that you know a little bit more about that. Not really, um, but he was worshipped as like a god of the hunt kind of thing. Um, he was an ape with a large stone weapon. Yeah. That's what I found about. Yeah, and I mean, you know, he did. Uh, when I was reading, it's like, yeah, he used that stone weapon to kill both beast and man. It's like, well. I think the weapon like made some whistling sound or something. Am I am I remembering that? Correctly? Uh, you know, I didn't I didn't read that, but that I mean, kind of funny. <laughs> it's just, like, Wee. yeah, it's just it's it's a wiffle bat, uh, it's a stone <laughs> wiffle bat. So uh, when did this um, I guess start hitting sort of modernity? Like when did we get normal like uh not normal uh modern accounts of so. When I was talking about how there's there's two different kinds where there's like the people who talk about it as the eight foot tall, you know, walking beast. But then when I was talking to Peter, he he said he was, you know, he got his interest from the Sherpas who have, have had these beliefs for a long time. But if you look back to when like Hillary is the first man to summit Everest with Tanzig Norgay, who's a Sherpa, when they both summited, they were finding footprints on the ground that were fairly large uh, and looked bipedal. But Tanzig Norgay uh, is actually, so he, he him and Peter were friends, and they would meet up when Peter was on his breaks from working for the tea company in Darjeeling. And what Tanzig believed was actually that there were these four-foot-tall uh, ape-like creatures. And, and really, they when, when you listen to the stories about them, they almost sound like bipedal bears, which kind of makes sense given that... Yeah, I read about those. Yeah. So they're, you know, and they are not necessarily aggressive, but they're territorial in the way that a bear would be territorial. Right. And so I, I thought that was interesting because, I don't know, just about everything I'd seen before that. But isn't a four-foot ape-like creature just a normal ape-like creature or monkey? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. But, it, I mean, it would just be in the Himalayas, which is the weird part, right, is seeing them at that elevation. Depends how high, but... I guess that elevation as well as the temperature and all of those types of things. You think there of... are monkeys that do exist in the cold and there are monkeys that exist in that region up to a certain, now, I don't know how tall, how high up they were spotting this, you know, thing, but I, th- I was reading, I think monkeys were existing up to like 8,000 or 10,000 feet, which, you know, now are these monkey- monkeys or apes? Cause those are two different things, Tyler. Well, they're mo- I know that they're different things, but I'm saying if I see a monkey that from a distance that's f- you know four feet tall, monkeys can still be not you know not huge, but four feet tall. Like if I see that from a distance, yeah. And I think, I think I the issue know. was like so yeah. when they found these footprints, right? They were just at the bottom of the North Call of Everest, which is pretty damn near the the final ascent. Is it? Uh-huh. Yeah. So it was really fucking high up there, and I actually, it's funny because I didn't think that there had been any sightings that high up on the mountain either i assume that they would have to live lower just because of the altitude but if you think back to the example with alexander the great and they said they can't right. bring the creature down you know okay it bears the reason that sure maybe something adapted to living up there and it can't come much farther down but mm-hmm. either way so there's there's the two schools there's the the four foot tall apes that are you know semi-aggressive but in the way a bear is and then there's the more solitary uh, sort of great ape that is, you know, eight feet tall, and yeah. and a little more scary. Right. Yes. I mean, what if it's a male female thing? <laughs> the females are just four Could feet be. tall. I mean, yeah. or the opposite. I mean, that's a good when it Certain comes point, to yeah, when it comes the females to bears. Are more badass, like... And when it comes to bears, the mother bear is the one who's going to defend the cubs and everything, right? Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that's a good point. 
So I think that's interesting. You said the four feet tall thing because I always imagine him as you know being you know eight, nine, ten feet, whatever. Because I was reading about a explorer. Uh, let's see here, 1925, an explorer from England. He's exploring near the uh, Zimu Glacier. Is that what you're saying earlier? The Zimu Glacier? No. Where's the is no. the Zimu Glacier on Everest? Uh, I believe so. Um, I could do I could do more research and click around, but anyway, anyway, he spots like an ape-like creature walking like a human. Um, and I think he said about you know 300 yards away. So that's a that's pretty friggin' far away, especially when you're tired, when you're in direct sun on a snowy. Anyway, he sees this ape-like creature walking around, and then his his group then they they descend the mountain and see its footprints. So this is what I thought was actually really interesting was that he describes them at the footprints as being six or seven inches long by four inches wide. That does not sound like a large ape. I was gonna say creature. that sounds like LeBron James. Yeah, it's like that's human size feet. Well, big human feet. No, what? No, six inches. Oh wait, no. Yeah, shit. Human, six big human feet is... would be like thirteen inches. Yeah, no, six or seven inches is. I mean, that's smaller than my feet. Yeah, that <laughs> would make, that would make sense with a four foot tall creature, probably then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I wouldn't be surprised if a four foot tall monkey had six feet, six inch long, you know, feet, or more specifically, a bear. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I mean, like, and that's it's funny. So a lot of this stuff, when when you look at there's been a lot of people who have tried to have pieces analyzed. So even like Edmund Hillary, again, yep. the first guy to summit Everest, he got permission yeah. from the Himalayan government to take a piece of, they, they had been keeping a scalp. Yeti in scalp. A, yeah. There's yeah. a Yeti scalp in a monastery and he had it analyzed and they, they actually found out this one in particular turned out to be a variant of goat fur. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it didn't match any known species exactly. So, you know, that's where that's the breathing room for, Oh, well maybe this creature is part goat. Man, uh, bear, goat? Man, bear, goat, no, 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 no. Well, this came up, the goat thing came up again in like 2000, I want to say 2009, where they studied a supposed hair sample, and it was the exact, the Himalayan goat. Yeah. So people are kind of just misidentifying a bunch of animals up in that region, uh, you know, yeah. as big, not big, but as Yeti. Did you read about Eric Shipton? Uh no I don't have him on here what's uh who's Eric Shipton? Eric Sh- Eric Shipton took what is pr- supposedly the most famous photos uh of Bigfoot uh not fi- Bigfoot but of or sorry of Yeti's uh feet footprints. Oh really? So he yeah so nineteen it's like nineteen fifties uh and he hikes up Everest he takes some fo- photos of these large footprints. Uh, and so this is like kind of, I think around the time where Yeti really blew up was 19, this is 1951. So the 50s, like if you go on like the Wikipedia page for Yeti, like almost all the sightings take place between like 1950 and 1965 or so. Like, it's just like a ton of stuff, uh, during that time. And so they say that the, uh, these photos of Eric Shipton's are what kind of skyrocketed it to, to fame. And so if you look at them, look at them, they're kind of. They're big, um, so some of some people consider it to be like the greatest evidence of Yeti, uh, and others claim it's uh, not <laughs> evidence at all. Uh, if you look at it, I I kind of think it looks like a bear's footprints. Um, you can see a bear. There's a couple of photos on Google. Will have you know the footprint next to a bear's foot, and it's pretty much the same. It's interesting, and it's like so that that ignited so much interest too, which is kind of wild. So one of my favorite people I read about throughout this whole thing, uh, his operation kind of started up in 1957, and 
this is again it's a guy i heard about through peter byrne because it's the guy who financed peter byrne's uh first three like expeditions into the himalaya and his name tom is slick. yeah tom slick uh tom slick the oil heir which yes tom slick american businessman yeah <laughs> slick and slick and oil you can't make that up uh nope. but like he so he has this huge interest in cryptozoology and you know he over 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 his life he financed expeditions in the himalayas for the yeti he also financed like a bunch of stuff in the u.s to find bigfoot and a couple of other cryptids that i can't remember the name of i was reading about them i was like i've never actually heard of these but it's just it's crazy that you know from a misidentified footprint or some fur samples like people got really interested in this and it was to the point where the himalayan government actually they they you know of course they started cashing in on it so they started offering yeti hunting licenses uh <laughs> well you know that the u.s government did you read about the U.S. government no. being involved in this too? U.S. government says basically the same thing. Like, yeah, we believe Yeti's real, um, but there's, obviously there's no evidence of it yet. Um, so they came up with these rules for people that were looking to study and research uh, Yeti. Really? So like, the, yeah, the first rule, and this is like, you can look this up. They, these were, you know, unearthed after so many years. Um, there was just like some documentation. Uh, but the first rule was that you had to buy a permit so maybe from the the Nepalese uh, government or something like what you were talking about, and then the second said that it had to be either photographed or taken alive, so they didn't want anybody killing it. And third rule was that um, any news proving the existence of the abominable snowman had to be cleared through the Nepalese government. Interesting. Right, so I think the idea there is okay. You've proven it. We want credit for it, basically. So you have to go through us. Yeah, that's. I mean, I guess it kind of makes sense because you know, the U.S. does have a history of like kind of, kind of creating guidelines and sometimes funding some pretty weird shit. You know, uh, I mean, granted, the weirdest stuff was like I think we had one president actually try and fund an expedition to the center of the Earth uh, to find mole people. That's real. Uh, Wait, who? Gotta, George W. I want to say, I, 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 I'm gonna be wrong. I want to say it's Jefferson, but hold on, hold on. I'm just gonna John look this up. John Quincy Adams. John Quincy Adams. Yes. Yeah. Founded, founded an expedition for mole people. So, Sorry, like, Tyler, did history... you just say W as in 2000 to 2008? George <laughs> hey, W. Bush. We do not know that, that he did not found an expedition for mole people. He very well, could have. Yeah. Well, he could have been a lizard person too. <laughs> And it's definitely in his wheelhouse. Like, I could see him being like, huh, mole that's, people. That's what the Iraq war was around to cover. It just. <laughs> right. Yeah. It dug a big hole. All the explosions started there. Yeah. Right in the middle of Baghdad. Wep- <laughs> weapons of mole destruction. Yeah. <laughs> so, Tom Slick, yeah. did you read about what he found? Um, so, I kind of, like, they, they, they found a bunch of footprints, right? And made some casts, and that was basically about it. No. You missed one thing. Oh, I missed one. Damn it, what did I miss? You missed that one of his expeditions turned up some dung. Oh. Some poop. Some, some doo-doo. Um, and so they took it back and they studied it, and they found a parasite that they were unable to identify. Oh, that's right. I do remember reading about that. I don't forget a good shit story. Yeah, no, right? Yeah, so they, they, that's right. they found the parasite they couldn't identify. Um, but it, it's funny, you know, because the, so the reason he actually stopped funding expeditions into the Himalayas because he got tired of no evidence cropping up after a while. 
and that's when he and that's when he's like this yet he's clearly not real we should go hunt for bigfoot uh and that was his next step but and the the last fact i have about him that i thought was amazing was that nick cage was actually set to play him in a movie but production stalled so we almost had that film of nick cage playing tom slick (laughs) i'd watch it i would watch it yeah there are not a ton of movies with uh with uh yeti in it are there uh no so i mean there's a bunch of really bad ones um like the mummy tomb of the dragon emperor and uh, oh yeah that's right and like plenty plenty of bad b films but i you're right it hasn't been like a standout amazing movie and i mean of course it's in kids movies too like you know yeah small foot or whatever that movie was on that on that kind of um media thing what i find interesting is the lack of yeti in video games as well He's an Easter egg. Charted, right? Not really. Um, they dressed up as the Yeti when they drank all the oh. blue goo, so you thought you were fighting Yeti, but it wound up being drugged up people. Um, he's an Easter egg in a lot of games, Spoilers. but like Far Cry Four had a DLC around him. He was in a couple of the Plant vs Zombies games, but he's not in a ton. Yeah, it's, it it is kind of like a weird space that i guess like it, it, i think it is mostly reserved for b movies because when i was looking through them just a lot of them looked terrible and of course of course wide out by ashton mccauley yeah available now on amazon yeah i hear it has like 4.8 stars that's pretty good and it's soon to be a motion picture you know when somebody picks it up uh <laughs> what i did find one film that i thought was it's funny it was actually had peter cushing in it Oh, really? Yeah, Grand Moff Tarkin, because he, he's famous for doing bad horror <laughs> back in the day. So yeah. he, he was in a bad horror film uh, about <laughs> the Yeti. What was it called? Uh, I think it was called... Oh, hold on. Uh, God damn it, I don't have it on here. It was like it was, it was was like the Snowman or something like that. Oh, is it called The Abominable Snowman? It might be. It was it was a bad title. Uh, that's all I remember. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. yeah. So I think, yeah, I think that's really interesting the way it kind of just exploded in the 50s and 60s. And I feel like people just kind of, it's I based on what little research I did, not a ton now, you know, but not a ton of, uh, not a ton of stuff coming up in like the 80s and 90s. Yeah, it kind of took uh, a hiatus. And then, yeah, like, I think, well, I think Bigfoot kind of blew up around that time. I, yeah, so maybe that's it too. Because like Bigfoot kind of took the spotlight starting in the 60s and then moving into the, like, the, you know, 21st century. But right. I think that once we started getting television shows like, uh, you know, once the History Channel really went off the rails is actually when <laughs> when the Yeti started to come back because there was lots of people and publicity stunts to go looking for it again because, quote unquote, it was worthy of study. Um, Speaking of television shows, the show uh, Destination Truth, do you remember that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you read about this too? So uh, the guy that hosts that show, apparently they, they did one of their one of their episodes was they went out and looked for... Uh, for the yeti um so they found some footprints um and hair samples so the footprints were studied i think they took they took castings of them and initially the the guys that the scientist or whatever said no these these are too good to be faked like these are too good i don't know like i think last time we were talking about bigfoot you're talking about like the lines in the in the skin and stuff like that so those were apparently all there and he said no these are too good to be faked uh however he would later go on to say that Upon further investigation, he wasn't so sure that was the case, but <clears throat> interesting none, nonetheless. But more importantly, I think the hair samples, um, you know, it's 2007, so this is modern science. This isn't, you know, the 1950s science. The hair samples uh, were determined to contain unknown DNA. Yeah, I, and it's, 
it's interesting so as a quick aside on those you know those footprint those footprints right with uh, you know, we talked about dermal ridges in the Bigfoot podcast and how that was supposedly the silver bullet of evidence. Uh, yeah. One of my favorite parts about the interview with Peter was he just fucking tears that to shreds. Uh, really? Yeah. He he talks about he's like, oh, Paul Freeman, total faker. He's like he's like nice man. Everything he did, complete forgery, <laughs> and like just takes him down. And apparently did so on like national television. They were out filming mm. a special and and Paul Freeman took Peter out into the bush and Peter came back after examining some footprints. He's like, good news guys. We found the first flying Yeti, uh, because the footprints just start out of nowhere. It doesn't make any sense. These are fake. <laughs> and the guy, the guy just got in his car and drove away. And Peter's like, <laughs> Peter's like, I never heard from him again. And I was like, yeah, I wonder why. He <laughs> rage quit. Yeah. He, he, he rage quit. He rage quit, he rage quit the, the Bigfoot hunt. But, oh man! So that's incredible. Speaking speaking of uh, you know hoaxes and and bad evidence that there was this big 2011 boom in Russia where there was this huge interest in the Yeti and they they organized the conference and sort of Bigfoot experts to come to Western Siberia and talk about the possibility of there being a creature in the area and like I think after like a couple of weeks these experts had said that they had indisputable proof of the Yeti and were 95% sure it existed based on gray slash white fur samples they found in a cave. Well, turns out, you know, half the scientists who were on that expedition were like, nope, that's a hoax. Uh, but, you know, there's this other evidence, which is these nests that we found that are 100% authentic. Uh, and those nests were then found to have tool cuts in them uh, from where they had been notched for construction. Uh, <laughs> so... It's like it's, it's it's shit like that. That's like okay. Well, I mean, to be fair, if big if uh, the Yeti is building a uh, a nest, well, you know, who's to say he can't be using any tools? He was using a club with a stone on it, right? Why can't he use a hammer to go along with that? Yeah, maybe he had time to stop by, you know, Russian Siberian Home Depot. You never know. <laughs> like I, I wouldn't blink twice if a hairy guy walked into a Home Depot in Siberia. You know, for for the people who don't know what Home Depot is, you know, read a book. But do people not know what Home Depot is? What? I don't know, man. I don't know if it's regional. You gotta be you have to be generic here so we don't have to pay them money. Yeah. Oh, hardware store. Hardware store place. Hardware super superstore. <laughs> but so okay, so the bunch, there's a bunch of bullshit evidence. Um and then in twenty thirteen there's this Oxford geneticist and he says, you know what, let's make a good faith effort to actually see if uh, we can find anything. So he put out a call looking for anybody who had DNA evidence of the Yeti saying that they would test it. And they got 57 samples and tested 36 of them, I think, because some of the other samples were of poor quality and they couldn't look at them. Most of these were from bears. Uh, one of them was even from a dog. But there was two in particular that they found very interesting and they came from Bhutan and India. And they were found to match a, I'm going to fuck this up, uh, Pleistocene which is, you know, a period in time, 40,000, uh, between 40,000 and 120,000 years ago, they said it was a Pleistocene polar bear, which is, kind of, which is kind of interesting. You know, scientists believe that species was likely a mix of what we think of as polar bears and brown bears today. But of course, that evidence got reanalyzed, and the same data said it belonged to a rare species of boring old brown bear. Uh, so they're, they're like, okay, it's a rare species. But then that got analyzed again, and they're like, actually, it's just a regular brown bear. So it's like, God, all, the, all this evidence starts out so interesting, and then it's just like, God damn it. It's all, so many faults in, uh, in science now, you know? Yeah, and, you know, honestly, I thought, I really thought that when we were going through the Yeti, we were going to find, like, more 
uh, better evidence than when we were doing Bigfoot. Because I assumed that, I was like, yep. Bigfoot was so big that we were going to find just this whole dearth of shitty evidence as well. But, like, man... Yeah. Man, yep. man, that's kind of what I thought too. That's I, I was really, I was really expecting to find uh, anything interesting about Yeti, and it's just, it's kind of like a, it's just like a graveyard of footprints and misidentified hair. hair. Yeah, like I just, yeah, I'm really disappo- disappointed in, uh, in Yeti. Yeah, actually, so, so am I to be honest, especially with like how much goddamn time I spent writing about it. It's like, ah, there's nothing there, and so you spent a lot of time, uh, you know. You spent a lot of put a lot of energy into Yeti with writing the book and yeah, because it's my it's one of my favorite legends. Peter, yeah, it's it's I I mean and to be fair, like the the interview with Peter is one of my favorites just because he's a fucking really interesting guy, um, and I still love the legend. But as far as it being plausible, which we'll get to in a minute, it's questionable. But before we do that, one last one last sighting, and it's from this year, which is why I wanted to mention it. I don't know if you guys remember seeing a. Uh, story from the Indian Army earlier this year. Uh, I've seen several. Uh, don't recall uh, what they were specifically about, but I do read lots of Indian Army literature. Yeah, was that in the Bangladesh Times or was that in the Hyderabad Chronicle? No, so it's actually in this 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 local newspaper called Twitter. And <laughs> <laughs> so the, I've the, heard of that one. Yeah, yeah, the Indian Army uh, in a plea for followers. Uh, they posted these photos of them with footprints from a Yeti. It's supposedly like the the first footprints that have been found in a really long time. And there's these true believers that are like, oh, finally, thank God we have this evidence. And <laughs> the skeptics were less than impressed. And I think for one particularly big reason that you don't actually have to be a scientist to figure out. So you look at these photos. Uh, I'm looking at them right now, actually. Yeah. You, you'll notice is... that there are no side-by-side footprints. It is as yes. if the creature is hopping. Uh, on one leg the whole time maybe he has really long legs though but they're all they're all right feet uh oh. was the big oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, i'm seeing this now so they didn't even bother to make two footprints they just used the same one well what if what oh, if the God. yeti stepped on a landmine yeah i mean and it has to hop everywhere i get i guess yeah that you know uh sure For research and giant uh snow monkeys I think we can't roll out the possibility that this uh, snow monkey was stepped on a landmine. A victim of yes, vic, vic, one of the many victims of landmines, uh, the last known yeti. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that about closes out the evidence and um, quote unquote. Yeah, just just one more plug from the Peter Byrne interview because it's, it's he's got so many damn quotable lines. But I think that one thing he said is really interesting which is he's talking about the... So he started looking for the Yeti in the late 1940s, and he said that they, you know, they found plenty of sign and footprints and all that kind of stuff, but he said by the end of the time he was there, he was pretty sure that it was extinct. And, you know, whatever yeah. whatever had oh, been wow. there was gone. And that's a there's a pretty good point of there's a lot of stuff in that region that has gone extinct. I think it's three animals in our lifetime. So, so it is entirely possible that something used to be there and is no longer, but if the evidence we have now is any indication there's there's nothing there right so, now quick quick question ignorant question um other than everest where else theoretically would the yeti call home apparently siberia but that's questionable just because it was a ploy for the russian government to bring tourism to a small mining town but it's been seen throughout the himalayas yeah. it's been seen on yep. annapurna which is another mountain um but generally like the the region of nepal 
it's it's pretty pretty centralized. The, the reason I ask is you look at the kind of evolution of climbing Everest and the challenge and popularity and just boon in the number of people who do that every year. And because of that, the yeah destruction of that environment, um, to put it in simple terms, um, the amount of crap that's left there every year. So it would stand to reason that even if there used to be something there, first off with the number of people that are up there every year, somebody would have seen something by now, just process of elimination but also there's just it's not habitable is the word i'm gonna go with yeah it is like and i mean it is so commercialized and that that habitat is shrinking so quickly that it's 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 not hard to believe that whatever was there is gone if there ever was something to begin with so with that in mind guys uh let's let's rate this uh this legend on a scale of i 100 believe it to it's totally bullshit uh john why don't you start us off again i think tyler brings up a very good point that there used to be some kind of ape or something along those lines that was never classified and was never discovered but has since gone extinct um i feel like there has to be some form of evolution especially with the size of the footprints and the rough sighting um but i don't think if it ever did exist, it exists in today's world because of the aforementioned number of people in that region and the lack of concise evidence. Yeah. What about you, Tyler? Uh, it's a uh, bear. No, I, <laughs> no, I'm kind of, I kind of like. Obviously, I, I don't believe it. I don't think that. Well, I don't believe that it exists as a ape-human hybrid kind of whatever now. I think it's probably a bear that has been misidentified. Uh, but I do like this idea that there is, you know, um, there are things. Because I think the way we look at uh, so many discoveries is if we haven't discovered them, it doesn't exist. Or it never, you know, yeah. it didn't exist and it's a myth or whatever. And I think that that's kind of silly because, I mean, if we're looking back historically, we're looking at um, maybe like dragon bones i I can't remember i was reading about this but um there was whale bones discovered like ancient whale bones discovered um you know not not in the water (laughs) like like on land and so you know obviously like the water had been up there at one point and people had had previously in that region described them as like or described seeing dragons or something to that effect and so it kind of makes sense okay they spotted these bones with no idea, you know, they don't, they don't understand, you know, at that point they didn't know about things like, you know, you know, the tides rising and and lowering over, over the many, many years. Um, So that, you know, they just come to this conclusion that there's these flying dragon monsters, right. That are there. So I think we can look at uh, Yeti and we see that, okay, there was these people that worshiped this, glacier monster god thing um you know many 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 years ago um and i don't think it's completely unreasonable to um you know at least think that there was potentially a small population of apes living near the top of uh, one of these mountains way 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 back when and that's and so i think what i noticed when i was doing the research on 
even in a short, a relatively short amount of time from, you know, the, I think 1832 is the earliest thing I was reading about till, you know, today, the stories kind of grow and morph over time. You know, like uh, in 18, like I think I mentioned this, you know, back in the 1830s, uh, an explorer, they spot like an ape-like creature from a distance and he kind of just thinks, oh, it's an orangutan. But, you know, we know that that couldn't have been the case because orangutans don't exist um, where he was. And then over time, he said, okay, there's these, there's this thing walking around bipedal, uh, and it's got these small footprints, six feet, you know, six, six inches by four inches. And then it eventually grows into, oh, actually we found big feet, footprints. And this is after, uh, Sasquatch kind of blew up in the United States. So it, it all kind of just builds up over time. So I know, I don't believe <laughs> that there's essentially this Bigfoot of the Himalayas. But I do believe that it evolved from something. The story evolved from something. Not that there actually was something that evolved from something. Yeah, my guess, like, if I had to say anything, I, I would say that it's probably some sort of bear that maybe, like, occasionally was bipedal. Because, you know, some bears, can they get up on their hind legs and stuff like that, and that happens. So I think maybe that that could have led to a couple of sightings. And you just you never know. There's There's plenty of... There's plenty of logical explanations for what it could be, so I, I'm going to say that I 0% believe that this could be a thing now. Um, yeah. Whereas, like, even with Bigfoot, I'm still, like, I, I would give it, like, a 15%. Like, <laughs> okay, yeah, maybe, just because the forests are so damn big. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, no, I, I, I don't think there's a chance that this thing is still alive up there. But it's a, it's a damn interesting myth, and I still like it. Uh, and... You know, I still think it's really it's really fun to hear the stories, and people should do more films and stuff about it. But well, you did write the book on it. I know, right? And somebody needs to make the a film book. out of that. But you know, <laughs> if, I, if I could just take a minute to to ask Rob Lowe again, you know, like, hey, I'll let you play Nick in the movie if you come on the goddamn podcast about the low files. So just get your people in touch with our people. Rob, it, what? Rob Lowe. Rob Lowe. Why Rob Lowe? Because though? he's literally. The author of the Low Files. What's the, what's the Low Files? The Low Files what? is a it's a it's a TV show where him and his family hunt cryptids. I don't know about this. Yeah. Sounds, uh, is this as good as it sounds? Uh, you know, I I honestly I haven't watched it, but I just I just <laughs> I just want him on the show. God damn it! We'll cut around this and I'd be like, ah, I've watched every episode, guys. I'm a huge fan. We'll leave that in. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah just edit it. <laughs> okay. So all right. So this brings us to the end, which is this. Does anybody have? Any uh, recent cryptid news or cryptid stories they want to talk about uh, before we close out? Uh, no, I don't. Yeah, I. So I, I wanted to bring up Area Fifty One again, just because uh, this story keeps evolving into more hilarious things. Did you see it got turned into a music festival? I heard about this. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, that's, that's Which... a great way to cash in on this this huge following that you have and people who have who have been convinced to go out into the desert there. <laughs> so they're burning as long as it doesn't. Now turn out like fire fest it, it could go one of two ways like i could see this being an annual thing i think it's gonna turn into Coachella open or... fire fest <laughs> jesus <laughs> my my problem is is some drunk idiot at this festival is gonna get it in his idea that he's gonna go sneak into area 51 and yeah somebody's gonna get killed yeah i mean aren't it yeah with uh yeah somebody somebody takes the wrong mescaline and all of a sudden, it seems totally doable. You're going to get somebody that's like Will Ferrell in, oh, God, what's that movie? Old School. Old School. The, 
old school where he's, he's going to show up drunk say we're going to go charge through the gymnasium into the quad and then a bunch of people are going to follow him. yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't be surprised if some dumb shit like that happens but i bet i bet the army is on standby with non-lethal countermeasures uh, they have to man they you imagine if they actually killed somebody at this thing no can you imagine can you imagine the you headache find they have out? right now we're gonna naruto this? run at it where they're like, God damn it! All these kids are gonna—they're gonna storm our goddamn secret military. Like they've—they've they've cultivated this idea that it is a hard place to get into, and then all of a sudden, some dumb kids <laughs> like, no, if we just run at it, we'll be fine. Yeah, you know that there's some military guy that's like, God, fuck these kids. They're like, fuck, fuck these kids, because <laughs> they have to deal with it now. They have to actually do something about it. But I love that they're gonna Naruto run. I honestly, I have no idea what Naruto running actually does. I just know that kids with backpacks run with their arms behind their back and yeah that's exactly what it is it's to make you run faster in theory and be a smaller target and (laughs) the images that i have seen that have come out of like press briefings of like old generals teaching their soldiers what naruto running means (laughs) are nothing short of hilarious it's uh it's 10 out of 10 strategy like good going guys well i don't know about 10 out of 10 but yeah you know they can't stop us yeah, all, right? Oh, so, but they can. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if they can. Can they? Well, I mean, if it was really like, uh, you know, half of a million. <laughs> yeah, I've seen World War Z. I feel like it's doable. Like, well, I guess I guess we'll find out. Uh, well, we saw that. Remember, we saw that uh, video of those kids breaking into Lollapalooza. Oh, that's uh, like a hundred, a hundred kids, or I don't know if they're kids, but college age kids. They all stormed yeah. Lollapalooza, and only one got caught, and, and he was missing a leg. Jeez. Yeah. Did you see this? No, I this didn't amazing. see that. So there's a 99% success rate, really. Wow. Uh, you know. I don't think there were people with guns at Lollapalooza. It might have been. You don't know that. But you think about you it, they, they, they fuck one thing up. If this if this music festival is anything like Fire Festival, like people can't find food and shelter, you know that they're <laughs> they're not going to trash the festival site. They're going <laughs> to storm Area 51. So get it get it right. Uh, going to go eat aliens. Yeah. These are kids too. They're gonna to eat alien ass. That's what millennials are into, right? Yeah, I mean that's that's the whole point, right? Is to to go explore a strange alien ass. That's that's half the people why they're going. Yeah. Uh, but well, yes, they probed us. We probed them. All right. Now you might think that's a pretty abrupt end for an episode of Cryptids Decrypted. Usually they're so well scripted and come to a fine point. Well, you know, the fact is we, we got really off the rails uh, on a conversation about uh, kids trying to break into Area 51 and eat alien ass. And uh, so we decided, you know, it'd be better if we cut that. And uh, maybe I'll give you a super cut of all the things that we've cut later. But for now, that's what we got. Anyways, uh, thanks for listening today. I really hope you enjoyed this history of the mystery. If you If you think we got anything wrong or you think we should add more things or you have suggestions for next time, like please feel free to either at me on Twitter at his real Mac Ashton or, um, you know, just comment on the podcast or whatever. We, we do take feedback and we really appreciate it. Uh, also, just a closing note before uh, we leave. The next episode is going to be coming out in three weeks. But before that, if you have anybody who has experience with cryptids, like might consider themselves an expert or has an encounter, uh, you know, that could be aliens, uh, ghosts, I don't know, Bigfoot, Yeti, anything like that. If you think they'd be interested in coming on the show, we'd love to have them. 
We treat all of our guests with respect. And while we're skeptics, you know, we're here to listen to everybody's perspective. So if you've got somebody who you think would be interested in interviewing, uh, I'd love to talk to them. Again, you can send their info over to at RealMacAshton on Twitter or uh, cryptidsdecrypted at gmail.com is also a working email address now. So you can send all of your inquiries there. Uh, We'd love to have people on the show. So thanks again for listening, and we'll see you all in three weeks. 